0: I'm Alex Del Ciro. I'm Alex Del Ciro. I'm Alex Del Ciro, And we have, we have just Eddie. It's Eddie Sauer, Needed to France. Eric Marie. It's Mahe Drysdale. It is Sir Matthew Vinson. Thank you for being here. I'm Alex Del Soro's Choice. And this is another round of And this is not the special one, right? Number, the big one's number 100, right? It means that like you've been doing this a long, long time. However, this is number 99, nine. Wayne Gretzky. This is the this is the Wayne Gretzky. We're going to bring that up in a little bit because this guy is a jack of all trades. But before I get into introducing this man, I want to tell a quick story. I was 2009. I'm this egotistical maniac. I come running into Thompson's Boat Center and there's this guy, right? He's coaching this crew and they're really, really good. And all I do is observe this guy. I watch what he's doing. I, he had a coach with him named Sal Ascenza, who's a guy with me at GW. And I watch him and I'm really loud the first year. I'm not so loud the second year. And this guy doesn't realize how much of an impact he made on me. I don't tell him that much. I probably never even told him. The second thing is when I started finish line, there he was. And he taught me the importance of excellence of being taking care of your equipment and doing a really good job, not cutting corners. This guy is Ted Haley. He is the head coach of St. Albans down in Washington, D.C. He's approaching nearly three decades, three decades with this program. They've won at every possible level. Ted, thanks for being here.
1: Alex, thanks for having me. I I love listening to your podcast. I love your enthusiasm. I'm ready to go.
0: Well, we're going to make this real simple. We start the same one every time. All right.
1: How old were you? Where were you when you took that first stroke? I've been thinking about this question because I know it's coming. Um, so Buffalo, New York. Uh, I'm a multi-sport athlete. I've done a lot of ice hockey. I played a lot of soccer. I played a lot of outdoor stuff. Uh, did a lot of sports. I didn't have a, uh, a spring sport in my high school, Canisius High School, Buffalo, New York. Uh, I played saw JV soccer. Then I played, I actually didn't play high school hockey. I played um uh, club hockey for a really good team. And then as a sophomore, I'm like, I need a sport. And, uh, Canisius high school hadn't had a team in a couple of years. There was a uh, fire down at the West side rowing club. So they built a new club and a, a new team, a, a rowing team was getting started. So, um, they put a boat in our foyer. We have a really grand foyer and I'm like, man, that's, that looks cool. I'm going to, I'm going to, I think I should do that in the spring. Um, so as a sophomore, um, I, I joined the team and, and it's Buffalo, so it's cold a lot. And I think I joined in the winter and I don't think I even took a stroke for a couple months. I mean, we just oh. trained, we trained our butts off and it was running. I did a lot of running stairs. I did weight circuits, not even a lot of ergs. We didn't have ergs, many Ergs. it was still 1984 uh, so. But I think I took my first strokes at the West Side Rowing Club in the tanks. And I remember being in the tank with a couple guys that knew what they were doing and a bunch of us that didn't know what we were doing. I'm like, all right, I get in this rhythm. I'm feeling it, I'm feeling it. And then, you know, again, it's rivers frozen for a long, long time. And then we started rowing in the spring. Um, and I, I was rowing in wooden Pococks that I think the boathouse had got from some other boathouse, but very similar to the boys in the boat, wooden oars, uh, wooden Pocock oars. And um, that was my sophomore year. Uh, I remember, I, I don't remember the first stroke, but I think it was in that tank. And then I think it was in those old wooden Pococks uh, that were super heavy and super damaging to your hands every time you jammed against his, <laughs> the gunnel.
0: okay So, so you're, you're a parent, right? You're a parent. And yeah, I'm, I'm imagining that your family didn't know what rowing was in 1984. Nope. So you come home, you're like, mom and dad, uh, I saw this boat and I'm going to go try this thing called rowing. I mean, like, was there a uh, an acceptance period in that at that time? There
1: was uh, like a thing like, yeah, OK, well, I'll take you down to the boathouse. And uh, I remember the first day I think it was snowing and we like ran a, a loop or something like that. But there was there was a, a pretty high degree of acceptance. Um, I think my my mom and my dad uh helped coached a fair amount and helped me out and took me to a lot of early morning hockey practices from a very young age uh soccer was a big deal and you know a lot of transportation to practices and but and rowing and, and I <laughs> my mom's gonna like this um she embraced rowing pretty quickly because and I embraced it with them because they didn't really know much about it. They were like, you seem happy. Uh, you're, you, the one thing this problem is you're, you're really dirty. Your socks are dirty. Your pants are all ripped up and stuff like that. But we'll accept that. Uh, and the one thing my mother uh, probably liked best of all was that it was not a contact sport. And there was, it seemed to be very little chance of injury uh, to me or to me injuring somebody else. And <laughs> as a hockey player, um, I, I used to lay down the hammer. I was, I like getting, you know, getting, done, getting rough. I used to like get, throwing checks around and I would occasionally get penalties. And uh, I, I know from talking to my mom later on, she, she kind of cringed at hockey games.
0: Um, so, so, okay, so this is interesting because, you know, Buffalo, New York is not known for fast rowing, right? There's Canisius High is pretty good. West side rowing is pretty good. You don't see a lot of like competitive, athletes in the sport of rowing there. So I'm, I'm really surprised to hear that hockey is a big thing up there. Football is huge, especially in the 80s. You know, you got the, you the Buffalo Bills starting to find some, some momentum in those, in that, those 80s. Um, I'm just surprised that you jumped into rowing.
1: Well, you, that's interesting because junior hockey is huge, big time. You know, ice hockey rinks all over the place. I played for the town teams. I played for club teams. I ultimately played for my high school team. With an excellent some excellent players a couple guys that got drafted i didn't i was not going to, the, to go that route but i was a solid player playing with very good players uh youth football i'd never played. i didn't there, we played backyard football but there really yeah. wasn't a lot of football buffalo bills football in the 80s really wasn't good buffalo bills football in the 90s was very good right yeah. Uh, yeah so um and soccer became a big deal i was actually i was a, i was more of a goal scorer in soccer uh, it was a hammer in in hockey, um, but the and actually uh, I will I will correct you on that. There are some excellent rowers that have come out of Buffalo, New York. Uh, there have been Olympians. Um, one of my boatmates, Jim Neal, made the '92 Olympics and was on several national teams after that. Won a world championships in St. Catharines. The um, four guys in my boat uh, all went on to row in college. All were captains of their team. Uh, mm. So. Uh, Jim was the bowman who was who was the best athlete on the boat. Um, Pete um, Jed Dietrich was the two seed. He went on to Temple. He won. The, he was part of those Temple crews that just never lost the dead bells, and was the captain of that crew ultimately. And Jim uh, Pete Manius went to Brown, and he was um, a part of a, some very strong Brown crews. Um, so that by itself. Then there were other guys. The lightweight rowing coming out of Buffalo was really good. There's a, still a lot of uh, rowers that uh Georgetown and Princeton and Navy. So I will stand up for Buffalo rowing every oh, single really? day.
0: <laughs> I love that you do that. I appreciate that. It is, I guess my, my point is you hear you hear Washington, D.C., right? And it's yeah. like a powerhouse of scholastic rowing, right? Yes. Uh, Greenwich, Connecticut, Boston, you know, it's not, not Buffalo. But all right, so we move on. So. You start rowing your sophomore year do you go to college do you row uh in after four years
1: of high school? yes so i i um went from canisius high school won uh, sras in the four the junior and senior year canadian uh school boys as a junior and then third and then um you know we represent the united states in the in the straight four uh, by winning the trials uh at mercer county um and we came in fourth in the petite final, which, and we were, we were right at it. Um, but yes, I did row in college. I went to Georgetown University. Um, my, my intention was to get big and to be a huge heavyweight. Um, but I pretty, pretty clear to me that I rode freshman freshman open, freshman heavyweights. And then as a sophomore, I transitioned to the lightweight team and uh, that team took off. I mean, I feel like I'm a big part of the, the reason that Georgetown lightweight rowing right now is is where it is, and it's it's a scrappy. We were scrappy. We were good. We were racing against Ivy League programs and having success. Uh, that in my era, we won the Dad Vales three years in a row. And as a sophomore, when I was in five seat of that or five or six of that boat, we won the Dad Vales for the first time ever in the lightweight eight. Wow. And 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 I feel like I brought. Um, along with a couple other guys who were already there. A real intensity to the training. Uh, we, 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 we ramped it up. And, um, and then, you know, the, in my junior year, we won the um, Dad Vales again. We beat Navy and Penn. Had a really close race against Yale. Um, Princeton laid a hammer down on us. But we, we were a good crew. Um, and then we went to Henley that year. We went to Henley. Rode, won two races, uh, end up losing to the to the eventual winner. Um, and that was that was you know great, fabulous year for for Georgetown lightweight rowing. This is uh, okay, so so this is
0: I'm I'm trying to get my ages here. So, you know, you're high school 84, 85, So you graduate 86, you are Georgetown 87 and 90, right? Yes, is that yep. is that about right? Yep. So I, I love um uh what's what the heck is that bar in Georgetown or all the dinner? The tombs thank you yeah so you're on the, you're there i mean you're you're one of the crews that are hanging on the wall there
1: i think so yes 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 I mean, you so should be right one of those oars in the big Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. man so i probably was in the st elmo's fire uh indirectly <laughs> love <it>. uh, good <laughs>
0: reference uh so up to 90 who was the head lightweight coach at georgetown at the time
1: you know, I, we had a variety of coaches. My coach as a sophomore was a guy named Pete Bouts, and um, Georgetown had coaches that were uh, recent graduates who worked as lawyers. We practiced in the early morning, uh, so Pete was my sophomore year coach. Amazing guy. I love Pete. We got along great. We, we just, he was the kind of guy that says, like, all right, boys, let's get down to some two-minute pieces, and we would just hammer each other every day let's race the heavyweights all right we'll race the heavyweights you know two minute pieces it was just over and over again so pete was an old school guy and then ultimately whit fosford took over the program and whit took the uh whit was a georgetown rower who then took uh the light uh who was rowing uh, coaching at yale for a little while and uh came back to dc took over the lightweight program and and took it to a high level uh and he was there for a good 10, 10, 12 years. Uh, and then there was kind of the, then there's been a round table of coaches ever since then. Um, so,
0: you graduate you graduate in 90. Um, I mean, you, you 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 took, I know, I know when you took your job at St. Albans, we'll get into that, but um, any time after college where you thought, man, I want to make that because that 92 lightweight eight was screaming fast, right? And
1: I just I that it was a fun time to be a lightweight in that era. Did you attempt to make the national team? Well, you know that's a great question. I, in my mind, I was thinking, you know, I think '96 was the first year that there was going to be Olympic uh, lightweights in the Olympics. I think, and, and, and let, I think you're right. I think you're, yeah. I think you're and right. I was thinking, like, yeah, I should do that. I should, I should get into that system, get into that Riverside thing or whatever, you know. And 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 I did. I didn't do it. I was uh, at the end of my college rowing. I had sort of, I, I, I felt. I needed a break from the sport, um, and I, this is what a story that I I wanted to tell is as a, as a senior. So I was I felt like I was the man or one of the man as a, as a senior, and I ended up in the JV eight. I ended up in the second eight. I know, I know. It it hit me between the eyes, uh, and I in and I couldn't you know I grasped it. I I, I was okay ultimately okay with it. Uh, that boat was every bit as fast as the first eight on any given day. And we just had, you know, 16 guys that were just great. And, and, but I was, I was, I ended up in the second eight. Um, and, and we won Dad Vales by open water in that race. The, our varsity boat won as well. Um, But um, the thing that happened is that I just, I I, I was like, I'm, I'm, I, was, I had a great college career, I loved it, um, and I just needed to step away from it for a little while, and actually when I graduated, I was, I was, that was one of the ideas is possibly try to get in one of these training camps, and some of my friends did. Um, and, but that, what I did is I applied for a program and that Georgetown was offering, and I ended up teaching for a year in South Africa. Uh, So I left the country. I left the sport. uh, There was no rowing in South Africa that I could find. And I taught in a rural school, um, African kids, and uh, I had a fabulous year. It was really good. Um, Again, I did a lot of running with the kids or uh, running through the countryside there. And and the country, South Africa, was still under apartheid at the time. So it it was a crazy time. Uh, I was out in the countryside, um, but we toured around. We did a lot of, a lot of hitchhiking, uh, saw game parks, uh, saw, you know, all sorts of stuff in South Africa. What a time to be alive, Ted. What yeah. a time
0: to be alive. Early 90s in South Africa. I mean, you're you're a wild man. Um, that was wild. Yes, that was wild. A- yeah.
1: You
0: know, one of the things I, I've said this on, on a podcast before, I am so envious of people that can just get up and go right? Like I have never left the East coast. I'm a South Jersey guy. I go down to DC. I got my family, three kids, the whole bit. I got a dog. Like I don't, I don't leave. And I just, so Bailey would love to say, Hey, I was in South Africa for two years or I went to Spain or I did this. So hats off
1: now. I feel like I needed to do it. And it was, you know, I had a lot of friends that did Peace Corps. This was not the Peace Corps, but it was very similar. It was that kind of thing. Um, I lived on a, on a, with, with monks, uh <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> catholic monks and, and and nuns and nuns ran the uh the school and uh they were fab they were amazing people who were you know they gave their lives to god and to education and uh you know that was part of the uh, the growth the learning process you know i mean was i going to follow uh, some journey along that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like I needed to do that before jumping into like corporate world, uh, yeah. education world, you know. And my parents embraced it. They were a little nervous. I mean, South Africa was a, was a, was a scary place at that time. And, yeah. um, and the, it was, you know, no internet, the phone service was was terrible. We would talk once every couple of weeks, uh, got good at writing letters, sending pictures, um but they were great and um you know my family embraced that as a as a journey my sister did something similar too she went to did the Jesuit volunteer corps up in uh in uh, Oregon for a year so we that was part of our that's a Jesuit thing it's it's yeah I yeah yeah, I I get it I mean I I I, now I'm
0: starting to understand sort of the theme here of 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 what you've done um so look there's a there's not a lot of high school coaches out there that have been doing it With the same program their whole career right now so 91 92 you're over in south africa you come over here you come back to dc you know you're you're not your roots not yet no you're not yet so you come back right you come back so what
1: happens in like the 92 to 95 range okay so i came back from africa i went home to buffalo went back to my parents house And I I sort of had to deal with this process of like, okay, now what? Uh, I just uh, did this amazing experience. And um, so I I, I sort of thought for a couple, a week or two, and then got into a graduate, took a graduate class at the State University of New York at Buffalo, SUNY Buffalo. And then I started working, uh, helping the rowing team there. Um, And my high school coach, Joe Krakowiak, a very seminal person in my life, um, was uh, said, Hey, come on, help me out. You know, work with me, work with the team. Um, you know, I was a recent rower out of Georgetown. I didn't know much about the coaching world, but I, I knew I loved Joe. Joe was an inspiration in my life. He actually lived near me. So I used to get rides from him from from home to practice. So we, we came very, very close. Can't do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> but um, so then I, I ended up going to grad school at the University of Buffalo, uh, got a grad degree in school counseling, and um, that took about a year and a half. And so, then, um, in the, the you know, for the that was that's what I always p- spent that time. And I actually had a great time in Buffalo. Um, got together with some friends who I'd rode with before, I actually, rode at Westside Rowing Club for a little more. Um, did my last sort of really hardcore competitive strokes at the Canadian Henley. Um, I realized that it. The time had passed and I was no longer able to keep up with uh, the elites anymore but uh, it was a good experience um, but Joe was uh, really important in my life and helped me uh, guide my path my, The other thing is my parents are both uh, educators. My dad is a counselor and he was he's worked at the same school for you know 20 plus 30 plus years uh, public school in Buffalo and my mom was a teacher in Buffalo too and I, I resisted that. I actually didn't think that was going to be my pathway, but um, it uh, it drew me in, and I realized it was what I wanted to do. Being in Africa, I realized that teaching and education was, I loved it. I really did love it. And, I, and more, most importantly, I love the, the close connection with the kids, um, maybe not so much in the classroom, but in the smaller group setting, the counseling type roles. And, and that's how I ended up in counseling.
0: Um, this, what, a, what a, what a, what a cool, like, what a cool path to, you know, you're 24, 25 years old at this point. Right. right. And, um, you, I, I've interviewed like, well, you're number 99, but we, we've interviewed a lot of coaches and, uh, it, the, the, the common thread is that sure they love winning, but they really love educating the youth. They really love watching someone blossom and grow and be just a better a better human being right and that and that I think that that is probably carried you a lot uh 100 percent
1: yes 100 percent I, I mean I I was thinking about this as we we're as you know something to talk about is that the athletes you know you you remember the big hitters you remember the guys who went on to college and rode and uh one of my rowers when Kevin Baum rode in the boat race and uh haven't had any Olympians but a couple of guys have done really well in college you could just one that was in the Columbia eight last year that this, this past uh, oh, year yeah, yeah. Yeah, as a freshman, Stone Walker. So, uh, you know, those are those are the athletes you're like, man, they, that makes a lot of sense. You know, guys that are rowing it, one is a lightweight at um, at Yale and uh, Grayson was our stroke man from last year's boat that was really good. And, uh, you know, Harry Gregorian rowing at Dartmouth. So I remember those guys really well. And they they're the core, they're the heart of your program. You need those guys but I also remember the guys most fondly that uh, came that I knew from the lower school. You know, I saw them walking around the hallways here in the lower school. And I would, you know, my, my style is to say, Hey man, what's uh, what are you going to do next year in this in, for sports? And like, yeah, I don't know, maybe cross country, maybe a place, maybe I'll swim a little bit and like, Hey, what about, uh, did you ever think about rowing? And he's like, yeah, I thought about it. And uh, so those are the kids that, Aren't quite grasped onto something, a little awkward, or maybe a lot awkward, and <laughs> turn them <laughs> into a man. Uh, give them, set them up to for success, you know. And and um, around here, the academics are really, really challenging, so they're they're all pretty, pretty gifted academically. Um, but I, I try to and 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 athletically as well. We have a good athletic base, um, but I try to take the kid who isn't quite the athlete and I'm thinking of a guy that you actually know Ed Crocker you know Ed oh, Crocker yeah, yeah. yeah. As, as, Ed and I always talk now Ed was uh, not an athlete is as a no. young younger man actually was a um, got cut I mean he made the freshman eight but didn't no, he didn't make the freshman eight then he was a coxswain as a sophomore then as and he was in our four developmental four yeah. and then he was in the second eight in 2009. It actually won a medal, and uh, then he went on to UVA and yeah. killed it. I mean, it was great. He rode to Henley. Um, I think he still rose a little bit for Potomac.
0: Ted, I saw him two weeks ago, and every time I see it, like him and I have such a really cool chemistry. Like we spent three years training at Potomac together, and I'll tell you right now, and I think you might agree with me on this one, he is unbeatable at a 22. You put that guy in stroke seat at a 22, you can't fucking beat him. You can't. I don't care who you are. He strokes at a 22. You can't beat him. I'm just, That's Ed Crocker.
1: Well, if there was uh, races at 22, that'd be great.
0: <laughs> I, know. I know. That was his biggest downfall. He was like, you get up to a 30 and he's you put him in two seat, and you pray he doesn't fall apart. Uh, I love that. So I want to ask you this. So before we get into the technical side of coaching that I really want to dive into, you've been at St. Albans. I
1: mean you know since 94 95 right and actually no i need i need to correct you on that go ahead when i first got out of college out of grad school i got a job in fairfax county so i worked at longfellow middle school i was a full-time counselor at longfellow middle school in falls church virginia got it i i got uh at that so that was my day job then at the same time, the St. Albans and NCS program was starting, and a, pa- a couple parents got a hold of my name, I-, I think through Tony Johnson or through Witt or someone like that. Mm-hmm. And they, and they, so they, they, the rowing team was starting, the, 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 I was counseling already. And so the, I was in two different plurals. That happened for seven years. So from 94 to 2001, I was a public school uh, counselor. Which I love, which is a great school. Longfellow was awesome, and then I was coaching in the afternoons here at Saint Uh In 2001, the school um, brought me in as a full-time employee, so I, I wasn't a full-time employee at the at the school until September 2001. If you remember that, September 2001. Yeah, kidding me. A lot happened. Yeah. it was it was a rough time to start as a teacher as a counselor, but. Um, it was, it, it, that was, that helped me actually a lot of ways to, to consolidate my, my, my program.
0: Wow. What a, I just got goosebumps. What a weird, what a weird time to start uh, especially in DC. I mean, I, like, yeah. and I don't care who you are, like, you you know, you know, that date. Um, yeah. So you're, you're, you're coaching this team. Now, if you, like anybody in the scholastic world of rowing, now forget about club level, you hear St. Albans, you know that they're going to be in the top, they're in the grand final. In the, in the eight, more than likely. You're more than likely going to be in the grand final for the freshman eight. You know, you always have a deep program. You've won that race. You've won SRAs. You've, you, you've had a lot of success at St. Albans. Um, I don't want to say like, I'll just ask this. What, what, when did you start seeing that kind of success? Like when did St. Albans become
1: the program that it is today? Well, it, you know, shockingly to me, actually it didn't take that long um you know actually in our second year the girls won at the junior eight and uh at Stokes. NCS, NCS won. yes 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 <laughs> <laughs> i know it's incredible a friend of mine i asked him to coach jeff jeff was and i said jeff do you want to help me coach out with coach this team And he's like sure they had, they put together a junior eight that won at Stotes. it was it was ridiculous and i were like how did this happen? Like, well, we just had the, the athletes were here. The athletes were here from the beginning. We just mm-hmm. needed to find them and, and, and put them in a vote. Uh, the boys, I think in the third year found some success. We it. we got a silver medal in the double and the, and the lightweight four. So again, I, I was seeing this like right away, things were starting to happen. It wasn't until like 97 or something like that. actually 97. I won the, um washington post uh, all mad coach of the year we had our um our second eight came got a silver medal at, at stoves um behind saint joe's prep yeah
0: the second right, eight well okay so hold on really quick really quick really quick, yeah. really quick. you I, i'm a big believer that you can only grow a program in the eight right like if you if you put together a pair or a double so this is interesting your third year you get silver in the double and the lightweight fourth that's no way to build a program i know you, i know okay so then when when did you when did you figure that out
1: like all right we got to be in the 8 actually um it was a parent and he said you know what i think we should buy eights because then we could put more kids on the water (laughs) i'm like uh, okay (laughs) (laughs) that was i'm
0: sorry okay hold on hold on hold on you don't even get the credit for this one a parent said hey we should do the eight that is brilliant
1: yes well i actually embraced it though as well i said you know what I do want to compete. I could see that there was the Atlantic City, and I could see the St. Joe's yeah. prep, and I'm like, I want to compete with those guys. I think we can. I
0: can. We can okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Ninety six. Ninety six. Atlantic City eight was unbelievable. I know. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. Okay. So you're watching the the top the top teams. You're watching prep. You're watching Atlantic City. You're seeing these guys, and you're like, all right, I'm embracing the eight. So in just a year and a half's time of embracing the eight, you guys get silver. So what? Listen, what do you do? What? Like, what do you do? What are you doing? Like how do, how do you get this? How do you get these guys? We'll get. We'll get. We'll get into the training in a little bit. We'll get. All into, so, hold
1: on. I here's here's some here's a couple of things. First of all, I think I've been very lucky in this sport through the years because I I I, I had I ended up at at Canisius High School when they were restarting the team. My rowing coach was this guy that just sort of popped into my life. I was playing hockey up until that point, and it was a clear contrast with my hockey coach, who I just didn't love. My rowing coach, who I did love, and and a bunch of guys that I we are my brothers to this day. Right. The 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 St. Albans program also was was ready-made in some ways. There were athletes who were here there was a, a support system through the school. A guy named Skip Grant was the athletic director and he, he said, we want this. We want you to be good at this. And then there were parents that, we have a parent organization, our combined cathedral crew, and that has been a very supportive network from the very beginning. Now and then for me, I, in the, certain kids just showed up. I wasn't working at the school at the time. And they showed up to the rowing program having already done other sports, they were already swimmers, they were already cross-country kids, they had done a variety of sports. And at the time I felt like, okay, let's just get these kids in a boat and see what happens. Um, and it got, and it, it, I feel like I was learning a lot quickly as well. Tony yeah. Johnson and some other people were really helping me out. Um, a guy named Ken Dreyfus uh, was helping and he was just giving me a little bits of advice and, you know, then at one point I was like, man, maybe I should be a college coach. This is going all right. Maybe I should do college rowing coaching. And Georgetown was always saying, hey, you want, you should, you could come and help us out here. We want to be a, a freshman coach or something like that. And I, I looked at it and I, I remember talking to Ken and I'm like, Ken, should I do that? And he's like, why? You're finding success. Uh, you'd be a high school coach, be Charlie Butt. You know, be uh, Washburn or someone like that, and and I'm like, okay, let's make good sense. Like, I love what I'm doing. Let's just keep good, keep it rolling, keep it rolling.
0: And don't you think, don't you think Ken Dreyfus has some of the best energy in rowing? Oh yeah, like that guy. I I could hear him saying these things to you. I can I can hear. He's a short guy. He's not you yeah. know he's not a big looming guy. He just he just he can. You're like oh yeah, you're makes sense. The other thing that I think also probably helped you and stop me if, if you think I'm wrong is the environment that Thompson's Boat Center was at that time. Like you had you had amazing coaches in the late 90s, early 2000s around you at all
1: times. Right. Yeah. And you yeah, can no, feed
0: no. off of that sort of vibe and energy.
1: Yeah. No, the Thompson Boat Center for forever. I mean, which you know, I mean, actually, I, when I was rowing there in, at Georgetown, it was pretty quiet. You know, it was only Georgetown and GW. Yeah. Uh, but it quickly ramped up. Uh, I mean, with Whitman and and BCC and Wilson and Gonzaga, Gonzaga was there, too. So we had I mean, I remember individual practices in which we had Georgetown, Gonzaga, St. Albans, Georgetown freshmen, and we would race a thousand meters and they would be ridiculous. Like one team would squeak ahead. It would be like this all the way down. and And that that sharpened the, the sword incredibly. You know, I, I mean, it was, it was great stuff. I feel like some of the other, the, the, what you're seeing now at Thompson's is more, a little bit more recent. You know, with the success of Wilson, the success of uh, BCC and Whitman, um, those programs took a little bit longer. They took a little longer to sort of find the, the rhythm that they've got right now. Um, I remember there was, there was a lot of competition between us and Gonzaga. Um, and you know, some actually think about TJ, think about some of the, of the yeah. Virginia schools. I mean, there was, yeah. there was yeah. great rowing going on, down at the office one. Um, so, and then Washington Lee was, was pretty solid and Yorktown. And so there was, yeah, there was good rowing there. Um, well, a lot, I mean, there's a lot of good rowing. Like
0: all the teams that you just said have won Stotesbury cup, right? Like these teams have won the Stotesbury cup. They have, they have been there. Yorktown. no um at the smaller levels but in the varsity men's eight and the women's eights, like it's incredibly fast yeah um you okay so I want to get into this thing here like I want to get a little bit of technical side of things um you you, the the style of rowing at St. Albans I don't believe has changed dramatically since you started coaching there I agree is is that that safe to say yeah so yeah
1: no I think I agree I, I I feel like Stylistically, I try to keep it as as basic as possible. If that makes any sense, I, I don't do any funky. I, I like good posture. You know, I think that the kids, you know, are athletes. They need to sit up straight. When we were started rowing, I was like, you know, the C curve. <laughs> like, no, no, sit up, sit up. Um, and you know, the my freshman coach does the same thing. You know, I, we're all in in alignment. Um, I like to see um, a good length. I feel like before you talk about any technical things, any technical advice, you need to set the boats properly. You need to have the pins at you know where you want them. All the pins need to be, at, to me, at zero. Uh, my my pitches are all at four. The the inboard has to be the same throughout the boat. The heights should be the same. You set you set the the standard properly. Um, you know Volker Nolte, I think I listened to him once and say, you can't teach technique unless your boats are rigged properly. So to me, you start there. The oars need to be, the, the, you can't have buttons that are all different places, right? They all, you know, you can make tweaks later on, but the rigging needs to be a, a accurate uh, as much as you can do it. So that should be the start of your, your technical stuff. And then, um, you know, in terms of, you know, I like to have see the catch. I don't I don't say really fast catches or anything like that and like just a clean catch, get your squared up early so you're ready to get drop it in. Uh we don't get the hands way low or anything like that. It's just finish strong, you know, get it out of the water clean, uh get a couple of inches of off the water, relax the grip, you know, the, everything should be loose, the shoulders loose, a little twist into the rigor. I even I I, mean, I don't know if this is everybody kind of does it, but I allow the the inside arm to bend a little bit so that they can really kind of get around the pin. Um, I also do a lot with checking uh, angles. So I feel like the finish angles, you know, I really, I I run a line right down the boat and tape off the finish angles. So everyone's uh, sitting together properly at the finish uh, and the catch. And, uh, you know, then I, then, you know, I have a short season, so I don't have a fall. Um, so I don't teach rowing throughout the fall. I get the kids in the boat. Um, the, the freshman coach, Tom Cosgrove uh, and other freshman coaches, they teach the kids how to row. Some of those kids haven't taken a stroke since up until February. Um, and we don't typically, we've never won the freshman eight, but we have medaled in that race, uh, with crews that have have had a few weeks of actual training. Uh, and I think it's important to, to find the right athletes. Um, you know, we, we, we cut kids too, you know, so the size of our team is never bigger than about 38 rowers and, um, uh, one freshman eight, maybe a couple extra kids. Um, but we don't, we don't have a lot of, um, there's not, there's not fourth, eight, fifth, eight, second, freshman, eight, nothing like that. Uh, I can't go that. My school is 300 boys, 300 boys. That's it, and everyone's required to do sports. Uh, so we have some kids that, that some of my boys play football in the fall, or cross country. A lot of cross country guys, a lot of soccer players, a couple of swimmers, a couple of ice hockey players, um, and then there's a lacrosse program. There's a baseball team. There's a tennis team. Uh, so um, I feel like we're all, uh, anyway. So. In terms of technique, I keep it as simple as possible. I also feel like um, a rhythm and flow is really important. I, I do a lot of rowing by fours and sixes, especially early in the season. We do a lot of um, uh, leapfrogging, so one, two even eights for a, a lot, a lot of even eights, and just rhythm. Work the rhythm, build intensity at low rating, uh, get ahead, then another boat come ahead get ahead. Then ultimately go up to all eight. Um, and you know, if the weather is good and, and, and helpful, um, you know, we make progress. I feel like pretty quickly, pretty quickly. I, I want to point
0: something out. One thing, uh, I do appreciate setting the boat properly right away. I think so many high school young coaches forget to analyze and look at their boats before they get on the water. Right. So, and I, and I've yeah. seen it a million times. You probably have too. I remember seeing Greg King, like, Technician with your boats outside of the lawn, like in the beginning of the season, every day, and it was it would blow me away just seeing that over and over
1: again. Um, shout out Greg, to Greg. was a tremendous resource for that, and oh, 100%. And yeah, and he knows the Resolute system better than anybody. That, well, then, well, someone like Casey Baker actually yeah. taught Greg how to do these things, and uh, so yes, that. Someone like Greg and actually Casey, who I used in Florida this year to make sure every boat perfectly set and he did his magic Uh, and that you start there and then you build from there. There's, there's no, there's no exceptions to that. And you're right. A lot of teams, they just put the riggers on and expect that they're as good as they were last year and the year before. And they're starting at a rig deficit, I think.
0: And the other thing that I, I, you know, it's so simple. It's just, you're right. Like there, there is no, there is no secret sauce to what you're doing. It's, there is no special stuff that you guys are doing. It's you get the blade in the water, you keep it clean. You find the rhythm in the eight. And so often I find, I have these conversations with coaches. Like I should be doing this with the rigging and adjusting this. And we should be spending so much time on the front end catch. And and I should just spend an entire week focused on it. It's like, no, no, it's, it's, it's simple. You're in a boat. You're in a log and you got to pull the stick as hard as you possibly can for five minutes or seven minutes
1: right like those right. are the two distances um you know there's one other moment that i remember and i was like i was i had a, a good crew in the in the actually 99 we came in second in the senior eight uh mm-hmm. at, at stoats and those guys were good athletes and i kept on thinking like i am talking about racing we're gonna race we got to figure out a race plan we got to get exactly the right race pace, all that stuff. And I said, and these guys were so gummed up on some racing things. I was like, and it's uh, somebody said, you know, like, just get them rowing, get them rowing properly and the racing will come. And so I, 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 I've changed uh, since that moment. I was like, guys, you know what? We're not, we're not talking about racing. We're going to take the, you know, we're talking about racing to 10% of what we do. The rest of it is about proper rowing and it's you know technically clean rowing uh we're not gonna you know the racing will take care of itself and we set up a race uh I mean I feel like our race plans have been pretty um I don't want to say vague but the the coxswain has a lot of uh leeway in a race plan um you know everything's pretty standard I and mean, we do start and all that stuff but there's a middle of the race where the coxswain has to figure some things out and mm-hmm. um so it was more about good racing is just really good rowing and, and you, you let that rate, that stroke rate come up over time. So if you see in the first couple of races, someone racing at 30 strokes a minute, they're probably there. good, you know, and then later on the season that, that they're more, they're comfortable at 34. Then by Stokes and nationals, you got to be 36 to 37 strokes a minute. Um, but you can't, start there you have to build to that
0: so okay well, uh, building is a good word to use here so i think it's far more difficult to have a team of 38 boys at or close to the top every single year without question than having some blip in a year where you win Stotesbury. right historically st albans is in the discussion of some of the fastest teams in the country for the scholastic level now I don't think that you're prepared as a team to be racing Greenwich or some of the other programs at the 2K. Like you guys, you, you have a truncated season. You focus very specifically on those two races. As the head coach, how do you maintain that consistency over 26 years with the myriad of coaches that you've had? You know, I I, I can't I, I can't even think about how many coaches you had at the freshman level, the JV level, the novice, this, the whole bit. So what do you do? as a
1: leader, to allow that consistency to build and grow? Um, I feel like my first job is to get the right athletes in the program. And that's what I'm doing during the day as a lower school person. I'm looking around, I'm finding the right athletes. I make, I make, um, I make connections. Um, And I feel like one of my greatest Uh, strengths is that um and this came from joe is that i connect with my athletes i mean in in an appropriate way you know i i I like them and i ask them about their lives and um so getting the right 38 boys on the team every year uh is job one and and if that's done then i feel like you know we got to bring in 10 or 12 freshmen every year and then we don't keep them necessarily all of them through their senior year. I mean, they, they'll, they'll come through the program by the time they're seniors, there might be uh, five to eight left, but the right five to eight, you know, we gotta keep them, we gotta maintain, we gotta to um, retain the correct athletes. Uh, and that is by uh, encouraging them to continue to grow as an athlete. Sometimes rowing in the summer with Thompson Boat Center or one of the other programs, it is a way for them to get more time on the water and to row with good athletes from other teams. Um, so those are all big things. I mean, as far as working with other coaches, freshman coaches and our and like, we usually have an assistant coach. I try to find people that fit, that have the same similar personality to me. I don't like screaming. I don't, I've, I've never been, we've never had success with the, the coaches that are barking at their athletes um and that's just not me i'm not i i'm you know we hold keep people accountable and we we push them hard but we don't try I, i i make sure that there's no you know people aren't demeaned and that they feel welcomed into the program that they they can we celebrate their success um when there's setbacks we work with that but uh i don't want anyone to ever leave our team feeling as though they have been mistreated um and i feel like with the coaches that I've had, people like Tom Cosgrove, right now with Grace, Livin and you know Jameson Pesh and uh, Kevin Baum and Sal Asenza, and you know people like that. I've been lucky to keep people for a couple years in most cases, and then I think they they realize they, they I I want them around me because of they they have the same um, mindset that I do, uh, I also want them to be aware that the school is important, it's difficult. It's a very difficult school. So they have a lot of work, homework. A lot of my kids also are involved in other things. I have kids that sing in these very variety of choirs that we have. I have kids that are in plays. And, uh, you know, I want them to to do that. I go see them do these things too. I go to the plays. take my daughters to to see, um, you know, the plays that the school does and, um, but, I feel like balance is really important. So balance in life, uh, and you're right. I don't think we can um, compete at the youth national level, you know the two k youth youth nats level. I feel like we can uh, get crews into the final at Stoats in the at the first eight and the second eight. The freshman eight is an, a, an occasional thing. Um, a couple of years ago, we won the junior four, which was awesome uh and that was just you know there's a depth. there was a deep program it was 2019 uh we won the second eight we were in the sixth in the in the senior eight we won the junior four with a couple guys who were just raw talent and they found it on the may 16th or whatever day that was and then uh the freshman came in third that was an ideal that was one of our best seasons ever um and those those kids then went on to do great things uh, last year's senior class really special. Uh, made the senior eight final, third, and then they won the SRA. So, um, I forgot your question though. <laughs> uh, well, no, so you're, you're
0: sort of answering it. So my question is, how how have you maintained consistency over the twenty something years that you've been there? I mean, like like I look. It's I said it. It's so rare to find a program. With consistent success, right? And you never left. I don't know why you never left, aside from Ken Dreyfus telling you, hey, stick with high school. I'm assuming you had a lot of offers. Uh, I know how hard it is in DC and actually the country to find really good high school coaches. I think we fail as a sport in that area. Like it should not be that hard to find great high school coaches, right? And they should be paid well, they should be, you know, handled properly. But yeah, like so going back to my question, like what have you done with your other coaches to help
1: cultivate that 20 something years of success? Well, I, I think there's a couple of things that I, I, as I'm thinking about this question, I think there's, there's a, a couple of real reasons that we have a good, I have a good support network, you know, there, there are, and I, I let people, uh, do what they want to do and not, not to do what they want to do. Like, so our parent network, Handles all the, um, the logistics, the hotel arrangements, you know, we go to Tampa, um, flights, all that stuff. So that network is deep, strong, and appropriate. They really are great. The, the school is also has a very strong network. Our, our athletic director, Dan Ryan, right now is a great resource for me and before him, Gary Schnell and the other coaches here. So it's a, it's, a, it's a supportive network and the like students. Like I, kids ask me about, hey, how'd you do against Gonzaga? Uh, you guys got a good team this year. So there's this network of, of things here. I think with finding, like I said, about supporting freshman coaches and novice coaches, you have to do a couple things. You have to not put them in a situation to fail. So if you have a freshman coach or a novice coach who doesn't know how to drive the launch and is not familiar with the Potomac River, and is, don't just send them out on, you know, with a bunch of oars that don't work, and, and a boat that's going to fall apart in the middle of practice. Set them up for success. Make them feel um, like they want are a part of something important, and they'll come back, and they'll continue, and, and it's, that's what we've done uh, through the network, and me, I try to, you know, be a good listener. I try to make sure they have uh, the resources that they need. So again, the team's not that big, and everyone has their own boat. Everyone has their own launch. Everyone has their own oars. We're not sharing with, you know, we're not doing shifts or anything like that. Um, and so I feel like that system has worked. I don't know. I mean, and and uh, you know, it, it, somebody. And I, I want them to go on to other things too. I mean, if, if a coach wants to step up and go to another program. I'm going to, you know, we'll talk about it and and maybe they go to another program or they, maybe they, their job takes over, you know, someone like Sal, Sal was worked with us for several years and and ultimately just couldn't do it anymore with his job in, in Montgomery County. Um, but uh, you know, Sal was a, wanted to work with us. He reached out to me and he, I think he realized that he was unable to do the head coaching thing or wasn't, didn't feel suited for it and did that for a little while and then said, you know what? I want to work with you, I want to work with the boys at St. Albans and the, and the, the whole program and we, we set them up for success. Um, I don't know is that that's more than enough. I mean that,
0: that, that, I mean that's more than enough. There's, I mean I, I, I think that you're very fortunate to have the parent network. you're also very fortunate to be at a school that wants to see success in athletics, right So WNL or maybe Wilson, I don't know, but in other high schools in the area, Thomas Jefferson not anymore, they don't have individuals that want to see success in athletics. So St. Albans is sort of a unique um, area. I think the thing is not failing, not getting them to fail. Um, I, I didn't know what you were going after, but until you said it, like the oars can't be screwed up, the boat can't fall apart, this can't fall apart. Like imagine giving a kid brand new a basketball, a flat basketball and shoes without laces. Like that's the equivalent to trying out rowing in a crappy boat, with oars fall apart,
1: or you just tell you give the coach some a couple random kids and 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 know at a basket that's broken, you know, like they're just going to quit. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I, I, you got development. You have to develop your athletes in the program at the appropriate stages. The freshmen come in, they learn how to row, they learn how to race, they love the sport. And what someone like Tom does, and other our other freshman coaches have done, is then they've said you are now, you're done with me, you're going you know, to now a varsity athlete, I'm going to be there for you, I will answer questions, I will be there to support you and love you, but Ted is now your coach, and, and, you, you know, they don't, you know, I've seen other programs where the freshman experience is good, and they, you know, maybe they meddled, and, and then those, those athletes don't necessarily take that next step, um, if, if the coach, if that freshman coach has maybe had a negative uh slant towards his head coach and that that to me is a disaster that's worse than you know i'd rather have a bad program that where a few kids progress versus a good freshman date that where everyone's sort of toxic at the next level so
0: you know i i something i i like to point out uh for listeners here is there's a hierarchy uh, you have a culture of life success you have the ability to cut athletes and build it how you want to build it. And, and, and the thing that, you know, maybe again, you're very fortunate to be at the at the lower school. You are identifying the right athlete for the program, right? And you can sense that. Any any rower who's been doing this as long as you have, or you know, as long as I have, like you, you can look at a, a child or a kid, or you be like, he or she'd be a great rower. Yep, absolutely. And I know, and, and you start to hone in on that. I love that. My last question for you is why haven't you left st albans so let me let me preface this all right let me let me like you know you find all this success at the high school level right and i'm certain you have had people and clubs and former rowers come to you and say you'd be perfect for such and such job you'd be perfect for this you'd be perfect for that um what has kept you at the same program for 28 years
1: uh, it's a great question. Um, I think that the, um, the the some of the things I talked about there are, are are reasons for that. I mean, it's a culture that is healthy, and I really like the people I work with at the school. Um, I really like the the. I can't say I really like Thompson Boat Center, <laughs> but it's it, it it works, you know, in the way that it works. Um, I have had, you know, I I looked around and said, ultimately said, there that there this isn't this is a good job, and I don't necessarily need to go somewhere else to be successful. Um, there yes, there have been offers, um, but I just. You know liked what i was doing felt the the support that i needed was there um every year is new too like you 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 look at a group of guys and you're like all right that's the next wave of freshmen that are gonna find you know be medalists as juniors and seniors and you're like all right what do, what's what do we do now to make them get to that point um i you know i I ask myself the same question sometimes too. Like, but I guess if I found something that was better and great, I, I would be there. Um, but I haven't done that yet. <laughs> I, right. I said that to some other coaches that have complained to me about various things. I'm like, if there's something better, man, go take it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I picture Ted Haley being the head coach
0: of St. Albans in his you know in his 60s, in his in his 70s. I mean, you, you're, you're
1: like, if it ain't broke. Right? Maybe. I don't know. No, it's possible. I mean, I, I you know, ultimately uh, I want to, you know, groom somebody to, to take over uh, and it won't be, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm 54. Uh, so yeah, I've been doing it for a long time, um, but I'm not capable of retiring yet. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different parts to the job. And uh, most of them I really like, um, you know, we do things like we added a, 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 a camp rowing. So I, this morning I was coaching uh, fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth graders uh, in our own equipment. And it was terrible rowing, but they're they're just getting, you know, it's, it's camp. And, um, you know, would I rather be coaching, you know, kind of elite? Uh, high school kids in in high school. Yeah, I, I probably would. But the camp actually is kind of fun. And I, and what we do there is our our high school athletes are coaching those kids as well. So it's it's a it's kind of a breeder. It's a feeding ground for the for the team as athletes and then also for uh, potential coaches down the route down the road as well.
0: So I, I lied. I have I have I have like two more questions because so- you,
1: you're making me think
0: um i'm reading a book that uh, you 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 know me pretty well i'm i'm extremely ambitious and uh to a fault right and um i'm reading a book about defining success and there was a gentleman that i had interviewed that's going to be launching in a couple weeks whose goal was to win the national championship for the team that he coached and he did it He, he achieved his dream he achieved his goal and uh, it, it's 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 as if he he's not going to retire anytime soon, but he 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 did it. What? How do you define your success at St. Albans? Like when when have you reached
1: that that goal? Is there a goal? How do you define it? Well, yeah, I mean, in 2011 we won the Stotesbury Cup. You know that was definitely a goal: is to get into that final, not only get a medal but win it. And then last year we won the SRA. And so I feel like we've passed a bunch of those, I wanna get those things. But, you know, it's funny because after you do it, you're like, okay, I just did that. (laughs) And I'm not different, I'm the same person. Uh, So I think at the end of the day, I mean, I, I think success is, it's an ongoing process. It's something like you think about, well what are, what are people gonna say about you when you're ultimately done? You know And, and I, you, you keep that going. Like, what are they going to, are they gonna say? He was a good coach who had success, um, and also um, did it properly, um, did it with, with dignity. Um, and you know, had fun. <laughs> and the people that wrote for him or coached with him had enjoyed what they were doing. Uh, it was an important part of their lives um, they were set up for success in and they and they did it in a way that didn't leave them scarred or broken at the end of the day um, so to me that success is uh, has a lot to do with those things um, and yeah we would I love to go to Henley and win uh, yeah I'd love to do that is that gonna happen? I don't know I mean we we've had a couple of crews that have, I, I we did go in 2017 and did well, came in one, two races and then um, lost to in the, in the on day three. Um, but that was a very good crew and, and uh, something like going to Henley with a with a top notch group of guys finding, you know, that extra month of training, you know, and 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 taking those guys from a 1500 meter crew to a 2,112 meter crew. Um, that would be a really special thing to do. Um, it's gotten harder and harder though, because, um, you know, look at the Wilson guys. They were awesome this year, they had a great season. Um, but the, um, the, the, you know, the, the worldwide rowing scene is getting, just keeps getting better. Kids are rowing more and more and more. I don't see myself becoming a nine month coach. Uh, I, I embrace the model of our school, which is the multi-sport athlete model. Um, and uh, we'll continue to uh, do our best within that model um, so I, I'm not gonna ever say, ah oh, uh, you know, success is only making the final and getting medals it's it's doing the best we can with the the chips that we got, which the chips are pretty good so um, long answer I hope I, I hope the answered it probably in a way that makes sense I
0: what a way, what a way to end number 99. The chips are pretty good. Yeah. They're pretty good. Coach Ted Haley. Uh, well, there you have it. There's our interview here with coach Ted Haley of St. Albans. I had a blast. What, what's his lesson? Keep it simple. It's not hard. It's not rocket science. We're not, we're not trying to save the world. We're trying to make fast boats. And there you have it. If you want to learn more about St. Albans, there's going to be links in, in there. Uh, great team. down in D.C., Ted, I can't wait to see what your team does next year. You know, I'll be rooting for you. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Alex. This is great. I had fun. Now we have episode 100 next week. See you later.